Before we begin, I would like to invite our listeners to a series of workshops starting in January and going through April designed to enhance your healing practice, learn effective self-healing techniques, and teach you how to do Akashic dowsing for yourself. We're calling it the Winter Workshop Extravaganza, and the only thing we're missing is you. Each workshop will be conducted via Zoom, and all participants will receive specially designed workshop materials, live instruction, and plenty of time for individual practice and feedback. Please visit vitalbioenergetics.com and click on the Workshops tab for our list of available workshops. Each workshop has its own dedicated webpage and a two-minute video introduction telling you all about it. I can't wait to see you there. And now for today's podcast. Welcome to High Vibes with your host, Bill G. At High Vibes, we're looking into what it means to be a fourth dimensional being in an ever-changing world. We hope that by listening to our podcast, you can feel a greater sense of peace and connection as we collectively raise our energetic vibration to the next level. And now for today's podcast. Hello and welcome to High Vibes. I'm your host, Bill G. And today's special guest is Kenneth Toy. He's also known as Swami Jayananda. He is the founder of the Institute of Personal Development. He is an independent scholar who earned the title of Swami in the Kriya Yoga lineage. He's also a certified professional astrologer. He's been living, practicing, and teaching the mystical sciences for over 42 years. He works to empower himself to shape his inner state of being to fit the demands of his external environment. Self-control and self-mastery is the foundation of the program and Kriya Yoga. And as a Kriya Yoga Swami, he took a vow to truth and the responsibility to develop his own system for attaining enlightenment. Ken, welcome to the show. <laughs> well. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so, Ken, um, I'm very fascinated by your story because, first of all, I am a huge fan of Paramahasa Yogananda and the and the autobiography of a yogi, and even the um, the self realization fellowship. In fact, my wife is a Kriyaban with the the self actualization self fellowship. And uh, so she got all of the the materials and the and the the writings from Yogananda, and we've actually incorporated them. Actually, a lot of those into even the work that I do when I'm doing my Akashic dowsing work, because I found that a lot of those lessons and those ideas fit in very nicely with that. So I'm very interested in the ashram and what you are, what you do there, and also your your personal journey in getting there. Yeah, I studied under a man named Goswami Kriyananda, who wasn't a direct disciple of Yogananda, but was a disciple of a direct disciple of Yogananda's. And I'll tell you the truth that I, I really was a big fan of Yogananda personally, but I really liked the teacher that I had, Goswami Kriyananda, because prior to be meeting him, I had been exposed to yoga, and I had been studying extensively, and so I understood the eight essential stages of yoga. 
as sort of sort of the the framework of the system. And my teacher Goswami Kriyanon, Kriyananda wrote a book called The Spiritual Science of Kriya Yoga, and in it he introduces the eight essential stages. Because that was one of the things I noticed about Paramahansa Yogananda was that they didn't do the asana, the physical postures. And so, so I went to the studying at the temple because you got the title of Swami. And that gave you authorization to teach. And, and then also, then I was able to develop my approach to yoga because I really thought the asana was a really important part and working with the physical body. And the thing about asana, even asana is a, is a rather interesting thing because people say this is a 6,000-year-old system of exercise. And most of what we do today really began with a man named Krishnamacharya who worked with the British gymnasts in the early 1900s. And he trained two people, uh, BKS Iyengar and Patabi Joyce. And one of the things that Krishnamacharya noticed was people had terrible misalignments. And so Iyengar really focused on, on the idea of alignment. He was the one that started what they called the furniture yogi with props and, and bolsters and, and all different ways that you could build a posture so that you had this benefit of internal support. Whereas Patabi Joyce, he followed more of a gymnast workout. And, and so it was, it was more of what developed into power yoga. And my personal take on it was because I had been an athlete almost my entire adult life, <laughs> that I didn't need another workout, but the, the idea of, of alignment and internal support really resonated with me of asana and, and also incorporated some of the things that were in my teacher's book, which, which he included a lot of the astrology. And so, so in our system, we do things like salutation to the moon and salutation to the sun, and we link them together. And the postures have have really evolved into something that that was really different, and at the same time very very meaningful for me, because you know the goal of yoga isn't really about getting your foot on your head; it's about total consciousness. But consciousness is experience, and so the body is a diagram of, of what we're conscious of. And, and so working with the physical body in relation to starting the principle, you know, like, like you start with that you're not a physical body that has a mind and perchance a soul, but that you are spirit functioning through a mind and a body. And the idea isn't really so much as to pull energy down to a physical body that seems to be on a mat, but it's really to lift your sense of self into a broader sense of self. And so attuning the mind-body complex to the divine idea becomes an important part of a practice. 
that once initiated begins to expand consciousness as opposed to keeping it bound up in the body. And, and so, so we, you know, we worked with this from the inception of when I opened the, the ashram and it, and it developed rather well, but, but again, you know, we really focus on the eight stages of yoga, yam and yama, asana, pranayama, that your first four stages really are practices. And, and they really expand into a path of action, a path of knowledge, and a path of devotion. But your last four stages of yoga, those really are process, where we go from unconscious awareness to self-conscious awareness to super-conscious awareness. And, and so you coordinate the practices in conjunction with the with the evidence procedure of the pro, of the process is the is the way we really introduce it fascinating because uh, <laughs> one of the uh one of my favorite yoga practices is um or ashtanga uh, ashtanga yeah. yoga ashtanga yeah because i i've done all kinds of yoga i've done the power yoga the bikram and whatever and i found that the ashtanga yoga was more connected in my opinion to the the spiritual aspect of it where yes we were going into these poses and some of them were rather challenging and whatever but it wasn't it, when you got done it didn't feel like you've just had a a massive workout it wasn't like you know you're really right. you know getting your it wasn't a cardio workout or anything like that. It, there was a, a really nice flow to it as opposed to other yoga forms that I've taken. And it sounds like the, the, what you're describing here is, is more along that line where it's uh, more of a meditative practice rather right. than a, um, uh, a means of fit and, and fitting into these, these uh, impossible poses. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, internal support is the major theme of everything that we do. Physically, you want to get your bones to support you internally. Because when the bones support you internally, then the energy moves through the physical body the way it's designed to. When bones don't support you internally, then there's there's all of this compensation. Muscles compensate for bones inability to support, and the muscles pull the bones out of alignment, which creates constriction and the restriction of the flow of energy through the body. But like I say, the, the body isn't the goal, but the idea of being faithful and orderly with the objects of sense make you receptive to the deeper things of the divine creative principle. And so even say, for example, the term meditation, you know, which is a relatively common term, you know, people meditate. But for me, by definition, meditation is the seventh stage of yoga. It's the eighth stage of Buddhism, which means there's preparatory work that must be in place before one actually meditates in the true mystical sense of the word. You know, because there are shifts in consciousness and degrees of awareness that accompany this, you know, the statement. The, the Kriyabhan program through the Self-Realization Fellowship has a, a program where 
the first it, it's in three parts and the first part is preparation for meditation it's like you're not actually doing the meditation you are actually you are uh reading the materials like the materials come every week and you read them and then there's there's also uh right. some recorded stuff and there's also some there's practice involved and there's breath work involved but you're not meditating you're in right. preparation for meditation and you don't actually get to the meditation part of it until you're like in level three so i'm i'm i'm, I'm guessing that you're not part of the self-realization fellowship this no i'm not in fact um i i don't know anything at all about them other than i know my wife she has gone through that and um you know i mean she there were things about it that she likes and there's things about it that she thought were were lacking but um i can't speak for her yeah. <laughs> but anyway like like we're saying meditation by definition, isn't an isolated activity that you do independent of life. It's a state of being. And it's a state of being in constant union with this divine principle, this divine law. And, and that's why I really like when, when, you know, like the way that we break down yoga, because you start with yama, you know, the, the um, abstentions non-injury, non-lying, non-stealing, non-greed, non-sensuality. You need a value system that's in accordance with universal order. And so, and so if you don't have these, these you know, characteristics that, that are in accordance with, you know, moral law, then, you know, what we used to say is bad habits. Bad habits set up limitation. Doesn't matter what you do, right? I mean, if you're... It, play a musical instrument. If you're involved in athletics, in business, if you have a bad habit, you usually don't advance beyond the limits of that habit until you correct it. And living is the same thing. You know, if we don't think right, you know, and then, and then of course, it's like, well, what is that thinking right? You know, well, in, in the model that we teach is you have to put what you genuinely need in its position of importance in your value system. You know, the idea of put God first is, is an essential component, you know, and, and, and if you are addicted to, to an unnecessary dependency, that creates a failure force. And you really can't, you can't get beyond the limits of that. And if you don't breathe right, you know, I mean, the mechanics of your breath are critical, you know, breathing oftentimes in and out the nose, you know, that pranayama is a, is a complete science in and of itself. You know, how you can learn to use breath patterns to control energy levels. You use your breath to control your rate of thought. And then, of course, you know, you have to learn how to quote unquote, think right which really eventually will translate into stop thinking and start knowing. Uh, when you uh, mentioned the bad habits, um, the bad habits are actually have a prominent place on one of my dowsing charts. And the purpose of the chart is to try and show you what you are, what bad habit are you exhibiting that is preventing you from seeing what you need to be doing in the present moment so it's it's it incorporates not just the bad habits but also putting it into a context of your 
present now moment. And I have found that that particular chart has, is probably the most powerful chart that we've, we've developed by incorporating that into it. Now, before the show, we talked a little bit about um, a healing journey that you were on. Now, you founded the, the ashram. You founded it in 1994. But recently, over the last 10 years or so, you had a, your physical vessel was kind of starting to break down. So, and then you managed to find a way to get yourself back. So I think the story <laughs> is, is quite fascinating how, you know, you were practicing Kriya Yoga all of this time and the astrology and, and everything that you did within the ashram. And you would assume that someone who is practicing this all the time is going to be healthy and vibrant their entire lifetime and they would get to leave at the time of their choosing and all that stuff but that wasn't what was happening and then so you had to find another way so that but that was a very fascinating story for me yeah that was that was when i found christian science and mary baker eddie's book science and health with key to the scripture and and it really it helped me a tremendous amount because i like i said i thought i could have wrote her book because I was educated in how to talk spirituality. I mean, everything she was writing about, I, I could talk about. But the difference, the, the major difference between the two is she was demonstrating a law. She was proving the presence of the divine truth. And I was instructed to talk about it or just believe in it. And a lot of the information that I got from her book that, like I said, I didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I didn't have to take what I was doing and scrap it and then start becoming a Christian scientist. Because that was another thing I noticed was her discovery, what, what people are calling Christian science today seems to be a rather radical departure from what she was doing. And so I saw, you know, an opportunity here where I may be able to incorporate some of the things that I brought to the table with the Kriya Yoga practice that I had in place, and then inc incorporate, you know, the wisdom that she also understood. Yeah, I started, I started to integrate her wisdom, you know, because I was doing everything mentally. I was working with what now I understand to be the mind that can't bring forth the divine image. And the idea of, of now graduating from thinking with your five material senses and starting to think with your seven spiritual senses. And, and the way that, that I understood it, because you have to come out of three modes of mortal thinking before you can graduate to thinking with divine mind. And like I said, I use the astrology, that the, the modes of thinking are actually found in the mutable signs, Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. And so you've got the lower mind of instinct, appetite, preservation, and survival. You've got the, the mid mind, which is human intelligence, and then you've got the higher mind, which is really the collective consciousness or, or the cosmic mind. And then you have divine mind, which is Pisces. And so you, again, you enlist strategies. You start with skillful use of thought, skillful use of breath, 
You know, you are incorporating skillful use of food, skillful use of exercise. And in the practice, what starts to happen is, is that you, you develop this union with the divine. You train your mind to look for what is really necessary, which is your number one need, spirit, you know, the invisible, intangible omnipresence. And you try and internalize that in your physical body as the symbol you use to validate your physical body, you know, which is kind of an interesting thing because we do something very different in our Western socialization. And I, I remember being a kid and, and somebody, somebody was drinking coffee and, and I said, let me try that. And I took a sip and I thought, Ooh, and they said, well, you have to, you have to acquire a taste for it. And then I remember the same thing happened with a uh, scotch whiskey. Somebody had some and I took a sip and I said, Ooh, and they said, you have to acquire a taste for it. And I did the same thing with cigarette, you know, and I remember, Ooh, and they said, you have to acquire a taste for it. And so when I was teaching yoga and people would come and I would say, you know, you have to become dependent upon your next breath. And they go boring. And I would say, well, you have to acquire a taste for it. And until you can internalize, you know, breath is your not you not and breath isn't number one. If you if you only go as far as breath, you don't go far enough. It must be spirit. The invisible, intangible, divine omnipresence must be your symbol that you internalize in order to really impregnate the seed of the mind. And so it begins to expand and grow beyond the limits of the physical form. And then, you know, and then as, as you start to expand your awareness and, and all of this, you know, I was, I was starting to understand the difference between thinking and knowing the difference between believing, you know, working with, because you can work with the mind and, and between changing, you know, positive thinking and belief, you can change finite bad to finite good. But you're still in you're still in the belief in matter. You still think that you're a finite mortal being. The idea really is to is to graduate and come out of the belief in matter and to now understand yourself to be spirit, to be the invisible, intangible omnipresence. And that was where Mary Baker Eddy helped me a lot because you start with the perfection of being. You have to start with the acknowledgement that I am spirit. And then you also have to understand that what is appearing on that physical, on that mat is, is not real. <laughs> it's, it's a mental material concept about the divine creation. You are a, uh, you're a spirit with a body, not a, not a body with spirit. And actually your spirit the right. body is the illusion right you know i mean it's it it's it's not it's not there and that, that was all stuff like i said that that i started to modify what i was doing with you know just the wisdom that this woman mary baker eddy had had discovered 
And the interesting thing was, is that she figured it out reading the Bible. And it, and it's, and when you, her book is called science and health with key to the scriptures, because if you, if you've ever read the Bible, you start in the Bible and it starts with Genesis one, where God makes everything and everything is very good. Then you get to Genesis two and there's this mist that comes over the earth and then there's this secondary creation. The Lord God makes Adam out of the clay of the earth and Eve out of the rib of Adam. And then, there, you know, the whole uh, talking snake and the fall from Eden in the Bible. Well, Mary Baker Eddy figured out that the divine creation is the truth. And that the human mental material concept is that secondary creation. And basically, you know... After, after, you know, just getting that little piece and starting to read the Bible, you can start to see that that was the message of Jesus, which really was, Jesus was the manifestation of what they call the Christ. And the Christ is the saving aspect of truth. It is, it is the Messiah. It's what makes the divine creation comprehensive to human consciousness. So I, I I would like to know a little bit more about your the ashram itself uh, for people who may be interested in visiting or uh, being involved. Because when I think ashram, I'm thinking of this these places up on a mountaintop with the where everyone lives together and they're gardening together right. or whatever. And I'm, this is not what we're looking talking about at all here. No, no. I mean, we just we have a a residential program where somebody can come and stay. And typically, you know, what the way that works is is basically um, first come, first serve, and if and when somebody comes, they have it until until they leave, and then and then we're open to receive somebody else. But we also have we have our operations, which are which is like across the street, that you know where we have asana classes and we teach theory classes and things like that, and then we have online stuff that we do you know, for anybody. And you also have a radio program. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I, we've been teaching ourselves divine science on this radio show, primarily. Where can somebody listen to this? Oh, from the website. You know, I mean, if there's a link on the website, it's, it's on blog talk radio. Yeah. We've been doing it since I want to say, I want to say around 2014. Oh wow. We while. started we started doing it. Yeah, there's on on our website, you know, if if you can find the the uh the radio catalog page. Mm -hmm. We have like 400 and something shows on that. If anybody's interested. <laughs> wow. I've got a ways to go for uh for high vibe. This is uh <laughs> Yeah, we're we're in the seventies now, so we're 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 moving along, but we're <laughs> we got a while to go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, if want, somebody wants to learn more about the ashram or want to uh, learn more about you, where can they find more information about you? Well, our website is www.ipdtransform.com. The phone number is six zero three nine two nine zero three zero three. 
and you have regular programs at the at the ashram itself. Yeah, we have classes class. in Asana. We do we do mantra on Sunday evenings. We chant the Isha Upanishad. We also we also have classes in in uh, what we call Kriya Yoga Theory One, where you basically go over the we go over the eight essential stages, and then. Uh, Kriya Yoga Theory Two is is more more of a more of a um, interactive forum, where where we have a practice. One of the things that we use is a labyrinth. Are you familiar with the seven circuit labyrinth? Absolutely. Well, we we have designed a system for it that it's actually corresponds with the sixth stage of yoga. You know, an exercise in concentration. That when you're in the labyrinth, you're you're in a in a path, which which is represented by a chakra, and the direction that you're going in the path will reference you to the terminal of that chakra. So if you're going sunwise, it's the masculine terminal. If you're going moonwise, it's the feminine terminal, and then it would it then it's represented by a zodiacal sign. And so, and so it gives you a way of that, that we work with it. It's, it's, it's founded on the two-part Greek philosophy, know thyself and nothing in excess. Yeah. Thank you, Ken, very much for taking the oh, time. Oh, yeah. To, well, thanks uh, for having me. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for listening. And, uh, and uh, be well, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information about Bill and Nina G, please go to www.vitalbioenergetics.com. See you next time.